All right, some more lifestyle programs back for 2024. And uh, one of our most popular presenters of uh, any program of any time period in the radio station's history, he is back for Another Health Naturally and a New Year. Dennis Stewart, good afternoon, sir. Hello, Mark. Welcome and good to be back with you. Always so, always <laughs> great to have you with us, mate. We've, we've missed your smiling, jovial oh, isn't that persona. Lovely? Isn't that lovely? Now, as the great Slim Dusty once said, yes. looking forward, looking yeah, back. And yeah. that's kind of what you'll be doing today. Yes, look, I decided to do a bit of reflection uh, on today's program just to let uh, listeners be interested in the transit that I have taken in the many years that I've been involved with herbal medicine. Straight into the calls. G'day, Danny uh, at Thornton. You have a question uh, for Dan today. What's the story, Danny? Yes, mate, there. Yeah, I've got um, cancer. I'm uh, doing chemo at the moment. Yes. But I've heard of this, Dennis, I've heard of this uh, uh, catharanthus rosus or periwinkle. Okay. Catharanthus rosaceus. I have indeed. I know a lot about it. Catharanthus roseus used to be called lesser periwinkle, but that's a confusing name. Catharanthus roseus contains what are called the uh, vinca alkaloids. The vinca alkaloids. Now, the vinca alkaloids are the basis of medications used within mainstream medicine. In other words, the herb historically has been the source of medications in as much that the two alkaloids in it, vincristin and vinblastin, are the basis of much chemotherapy. So to use the herb these days is unwise because those uh, alkaloids, the active principles in the herb, are potentially very, very toxic if they're taken without measured amounts and without medical supervision. So if you are looking at that herb, I would discourage you from using it, even though there might be information on the net suggesting that it's okay. Well, it is okay if it has been extracted and the two alkaloids converted into a mainstream uh, medication used by an oncologist. Okay. Well, I spoke to my oncologist about using this. Yes, yes. And he said, look, anything you can get that's going to help you at this stage, go for your life. Well, yeah, he's, he, he may not be aware, though, Danny, that that herb in particular contains what are called the vinca alkaloids. And that's why, mm. that is why, in the uh, Australian poison schedule, uh, that precludes, that precludes anyone uh, administering them, supplying them, who is not a medical practitioner or otherwise authorised to do so because they are so toxic. I would suspect, I can't, and I'm not in any way at all casting aspersions on your good oncologist, but he, he may not be aware that that particular herb became famous because it was used in the management of cancer with all of the hazards associated with it, albeit the herb has now been bypassed by the extraction of the two uh, major alkaloids, which are called vinca alkaloids, vinca alkaloids, and they are used uh, under various names within mainstream oncology. Mm. Vinca alkaloids. Well, another guy said, "Look, to help you help you out, you get hold of uh, almond kernels and crush okay, them." Okay. Well, look, there there again. Uh, um, uh, yeah, there again, you've got to be very cautious because you take enough of that and you'll have an, a nasty death through cyanide mm. poisoning. Now, people do use it, and I guess who am I to say uh, whether they're right or wrong if you're desperate? 
you'll try mm. anything, but a lot of the desperate uh, uh, things end up having nasty ends. There are better ways of helping mainstream medicine uh, fight cancer with natural remedies than going down the pathway of using hazardous natural substances. And again, I'll okay, say, yeah. and li listeners would appreciate what I'm going to say here, um, not everything that's natural is safe. Fortunately, okay. fortunately, the things that we are permitted to use, natural medicines in this country, have been assessed by our governments and considered to be capable of being used without uh, medical supervision, so to speak. But uh, apart from those herbs and substances that have been approved by our government, you have to be cautious about using um, herbs and substances, uh, extracts from some herbs, which have a background of potential toxicity. Be very cautious. There are some uh, supportive herbs and natural substances, which I recommend to my clients who are having oncology, and I'd be happy to discuss that with you confidentially. All right, best of luck with everything there, uh, Danny. 49216216, if you ever want to have a chat with Dennis today. And of course, Dennis, I know it's the world you, you live in, mm. natural medicine, mm. natural, mm. natural, mm. natural, mm. but that doesn't always, in a general sense, always mean everything natural is good. I mean, there's good oh, and absolutely. bad. Think mushrooms, for example. Some absolutely. will augment your yep. stir fry yep. and yep. some will kill you. Absolutely. And that was the point that I was making there. This is now I'm a great supporter of natural medicine, but the uh, motto of herbalists historically has been uh, basically do no harm. In other words, we shy away from things that have a toxic background to them. Mm. We practice herbal medicine in the best tradition of English and American traditional herbal medicine where toxic substances were deliberately stayed away from. A lot, a lot of listeners don't realise that there's an American called Samuel Thompson and he is considered to be the father of Western herbal medicine. And he established a system of herbal medicine that incorporated the indigenous remedies of the American Red Indians. But he developed that system because his own family was killed as a result of some of the mainstream medications that were being prescribed by doctors. Mm. Now, fortunately, we've moved on from that, and I'm not saying that that applies to today. But I guess what I'm saying is the commencement of our herbal medicine tradition in the Western world, the modern Western world, started with a reaction against toxic substances. And the last thing you want to do is to sort of go full circle and or, exactly or, or right. make a U-turn, I guess. That's exactly right. Four nine two one six two one six. If you have a question for Dennis Stewart today, and um, we'll ask, we'll be posing the question to him shortly. Will Dennis Stewart retire? All right. Well, he's asked us to ask him, so we'll find out. Keith, you have a uh, prostate question for Dennis today. Yes, thanks very much. Um, I've been through various prostate stages, yes. and it's it's pretty well uh, quietened down. But I've got some uh, herbal things that I take. Yes. And I just want your opinion on you know are they yes. appropriate and are there any others? I, I take saw palmetto, yes. stinging nettle root, yes. and curcumin. Yes. Well, that is a very useful selection, uh, Keith. So you've done well by um, putting yourself in that bracket of using those supplements. Let me just say that the herb known as saw palmito uh, is the most well-known and, in my opinion, the best documented herb um, in both Western 
uh, or both in American, English and, and European herbalism. Um, it has been used for a very long period of time and the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, which I keep saying on this program is the Bible of modern herbal medicine, refers to the herb as being specific, let me say specific, for prostate enlargement. So any patient or client that I see who wants information or help with an enlarged prostate gland that is appropriate to, to treat with herbs, I will recommend as a starting base a standardised preparation of saw palmito. Now, you might say, what do you mean by that? Well, the preparation of saw palmito that you would be using would be based on what's called a powdered extract. That is, the herb has been extracted, dehydrated, and more importantly, perhaps, standardised to have a guaranteed level of the major active principle in it, which gives you a very assured result that you're going to get the working chemistry of the herb. Nettle root is a more popular herb that's been used over the last couple of decades. Wasn't as popular when I started, but these days it's been seen as an excellent appendage to saw palmito to provide a duo that's a useful uh, approach to managing the condition. Now let me just come in here and very quickly say, very quickly say, herbal medicine and supplements can be very effective in managing prostate conditions, whether they be uh, enlargement or whether they be episodes of inflammation, what's called prostatitis. But in both conditions, obviously they, they need to be medically assessed and prefaced. And with the prostate, there is a point at which, there is a point at which uh, the gland itself uh, is beyond, is beyond the ability of the natural medicine to provide the relief that the sufferer requires. And that's usually the point where the gland has become so enlarged or so dysfunctional that the urinary stream is very, uh, very restricted. There is a lot of nocturnal frequency and considerable dribbling. When it's reached that point, in my opinion, it's very, very difficult to even see saw palmito and um, nettle root doing much for you, although there are contradictions to that. Uh, but the herb curcumin you, that you meant, mentioned is useful for addressing more the inflammatory activity that's sometimes associated with prostate conditions. Yeah. It's a useful herb to address, say, recurrent prostatitis. It's more, its chemistry is more anti-inflammatory. I'm not convinced uh, that it has as much influence on enlargement as the other two herbs might. Yeah, look, I had problems, and I, with with the size of the prostate, yes. and I had a terp, yes. and my PSA was up, but yes. PSA reading has settled down, yes. and I'm taking this combination yes. to sort of keep things on a nice even keel, and not get prostate, not get uh, urinary tract infection. I can understand that, and I would applaud you for that. The only thing that I would say is that obviously you're under the management of your good GP or a, a, a urologist, that's fine. And if you're uh, managing your condition happily and your medical managers are aware of what you're doing, that is great. Keep in mind, however, that not always is the prostate uh, PSA an accurate indicator yeah. of what's going on with the gland. But you're on, you're on a, a good track. The only thing that I would uh, say here 
is that over the last well, probably five, six or a bit more years, I have found that the herb that I sometimes mention on the program, known as Java kidney tea, has a very, very interesting and soothing effect on the urinary system that is periodically infected. And also in the literature, Java kidney tea, known as orthosiphon stamineus, which is used as a tea in Asia, in Europe, and from uh, I prescribe it in that form for my practice, is a useful appendage to what you are doing because the herb not only has a soothing effect and a supporting effect on the whole of the urinary system, but the literature indicates that it has a mild effect on the urethra as far as dilating it mildly, which is why it's used in other countries for helping passage the urinary stones. Think about it. It would be a useful, very safe supplement to what you're doing. Best of luck with everything there, Keith. As we continue now for at the quarrel along, Kerry, you have a question on, of all things, tonic water. What's happening, Gary? Oh, well, with this uh, hot weather and the mosses and so on, I've been drinking tonic water which contains quinine. Yes. Now, on the bottle, there's a warning about quinine, and when I looked it up on the internet, I got uh, <laughs> a little concerned, so I just thought I'd, you might clarify it for okay. me. Look, quinine is, is, is an alkaloid, so it's extracted from a herb, and in, uh, in the preparation you're talking about, it's useful for two reasons. It gives the, the beverage a very significant um, bitter taste, and bitterness is always something that is seen to be useful for helping manage the heat of, of a hot day. Uh, it came into fame during the, 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 the time when the British uh, ran half of uh, Asia and used a, a gin and tonic as, a, as an afternoon drink in the, in, in the various clubs they went to. Any excuse, <laughs> I think, I might point yeah. out. So uh, <laughs> the, the thing about uh, quinine is that it has historically been used to address a lot of cramping. And I'm pretty sure you can still get medication prescribed with quinine in it, in it for that purpose. But let me just say that it is potentially a problem if it is taken outside of the small flavouring effect that it would, would come in the preparation you're talking about. We would not be able to see the substance being purchased from a supermarket or a health food store or a pharmacy or anywhere else if it were considered so dangerous that it was not worthwhile letting it circulate. In my opinion, used for the purpose that you're using it, and I use it that that way myself. I'm not a very big gin drinker, so I would only use <laughs> only use tonic water in the same way that you would use it as a very bitter drink, ice cold, preferably with ice, on a very very cold day. Well, I have it without the gin, and and uh, the brand I get now it comes with a no sugar variety, and I uh, I can go through a 750 ml bottle in about two or three days. Well, you might have converted me. <laughs> there you go. Best of luck. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Kerry. Best of luck, Kerry, and uh, Keith as well. Dennis, um, uh, I'm sure this is a question you get a lot, you know, yes, whether yes. it's in jest or whether people want to know for themselves. And I've yes. been prodding you for a while, but you've asked me to ask you today about the concept of Dennis Stewart retiring. Say it isn't so. It's a very appropriate question, but I have a very appropriate statement to make in response. In my consulting rooms at New Lambton, I have a plaque 
very predominantly displayed in my consulting room. And on that plaque is a picture of the great Dr. Albert Schweitzer. Listeners might not know who he was, but he's a famous uh, doctor who spent all of his life in Africa uh, treating, using mainstream medicine with great regard for traditional African medicine as well. Uh, he was also an author, a theologian, and a great philanthropist. He lived a very long life. And he said on one occasion, and this is why I've had this hung up on my wall for some time, he said, and I quote, I have no intention of dying so long as I can do things. And if I can do things, I have no need to die. So I will live a long, long life. Now I could say, I have no intention of retiring so long as I can still do things. <laughs> and if I can do things and do things well, I have no need to retire. So I will live and practice for a long, long life. That's not a bad statement, is it? It's a wonderful statement. It's a great, but it doesn't answer the question. There's enough in so, that for you to put your head around and think about. All right. It. So, so, uh, so for those who've been following at home, Dennis Stewart is not planning on going anywhere just yet. Not just yet. Right. And by the way, the the keys, the just is such a relative term, though, isn't it? It is indeed. I I, I didn't study English and literature for nothing, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so if you were wondering uh, what Dennis is doing, um, he will absolutely be here for uh, at least the rest of this year, I would I would imagine. If the good Lord permits. All right. 49216, thanks for clearing all of that up, Dennis. I'm, no, I'm uh, much, we're much better off now than I'm we were. I'm glad you are at ease, Mark. Good afternoon to you, Sue, at Lambton. You have a... A question or a statement on retirement yourself? What's the story, Sue? Oh, Dennis. Yes, Sue. You not only made my day, but you've made my year <laughs> with, the, with the excitement <laughs> that you are not retiring. I was holding my breath. I was like, oh, he can't. He can't. But oh. you're not. So I'm so excited and I just wanted to say thank you so much. Just well, that's very nice of you, on. Sue. That's very nice of you to say that, Sue. I really appreciate it. Oh, and, uh, look, from my heart, mm, it is. Well, thank and you. one out of ten people probably ring up and, and get great information and um, advice from you, but there's nine more out there out of ten that are listening and um, so benefit from your knowledge and your, um, and your care and empathy. So thank, thank you, you so much, Dennis. You've made my day, Sue. Thank you for ringing. All right, we appreciate it. Sue, there you go, Dennis. You know that you're loved when all you do is come and say, oh, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing to see here. Oh, we better ring up and tell him. Good stuff. <laughs> Good afternoon. Chris, uh, around the lake, you have a, um, a leg issue with some nerves. What's happening there, Chris? Well, um, hi, Dennis. How are Hello, you? Hello, Chris. I'm very um, well. I'm a long-term, not real good sleeper at the best of times. Yes. However, now the issues I'm having, I'm getting these little, and it's not painful, yes. little like nerve impulses of the night time when I'm trying to sleep, mm -hmm. going up my leg. Mm -hmm. And I do not know what's causing them. I okay. have blood done, all my blood levels are normal and everything okay. else. Okay. But have, has, it, has your doctor treated you at all, Chris? No, she just okay. said, oh, you know, you've got to work this out and see okay. what might be the cause. So now, I haven't had... Have yeah. you used a bit of magnesium? Yes, I'm using uh, a fusion brand, magnesium, yes. Okay. Now, look, what I'm going to say might yep. sound 
really left field. I mean, I'm, really I'm left field. I'm happy to take anything at this okay, point. Okay, okay. The good thing about it is it's not going to cost you anything. However, mm. there might be a degree of discomfort for right. you, uh, mm. particularly if you're sleeping uh, and if you're sleeping with a partner. The, yep. thing, the thing that I'm saying is a lot of my clients and patients over the years have spoken about the benefit of having corks in the bed. Now, that sounds weird, doesn't it? When I first heard it, heard it I thought, this is, this is left field stuff, I can't mention it. But over the years, there have been so many people saying that nerve impulses, cramps in particular, yeah. jerking legs, particularly yep. at night, when they have purchased or otherwise got <laughs> um, corks, you can still purchase them and put them, say, in a small... Some of the wine bottle, don't they, Dennis? Well, That's they don't have them in wine bottles any longer. Yeah. But when you put them in a little bag, I had a patient in yesterday, my uh, first patient of the day, a delightful lady, who remembered my mentioning this many years ago and uh, said yesterday that it, it changed her life, that she was able uh, to cope with the, with the leg condition, the movement of the leg, the jerking of the leg, might be a little bit different to yours. It's not going to cost you anything. And listeners out there, please don't think that uh, Dennis needs antipsychotic medication. This is passing on information that's been passed right. on to me. So what's uh, the believed um, correlation there? How did the cork to the leg? What's the theory? So if you have it in the bed, yeah, I could go no further than saying that, that it is just placed at the foot of the bed where contact is made with the foot during the night or the leg during the night, and you might say, oh, you know, this is all in the head. Look, you can't just take that attitude for everyone that says something like this. I have heard in my 46 years of practice, I wrote it down today, 46 years uh, I've been in practice, I have heard this mentioned so many times that despite my very rigorous uh, scientific background in mechanical engineering and complementary medicine, I can't, I can't see these people as being just saying something that's all in their head. They've got benefit from it. I can't explain it. Anyone who's reasonable and liberal in their thinking will say that there are a lot of things we still don't understand, particularly about the human condition, even about the way in which we respond to various substances topical or taken orally. So I'm going to leave it at that, Chris. Yeah. Please, again, don't, don't think I'm off the planet. I'm passing on to you what well, has been passed me. on to me. It's not going to cost you anything. Go to your bottle shop or go to the, fish, yep. the fishing shop and get some cork. Put them at the oh, foot of the bed. I thought you said cork. No, no, cork, cork, C-O-R-K. Give me a ring back and tell me you're off your face or, or say, look, it, it did me a bit of good. Either way, it'll be a fun, it'll be a fun conversation. Yeah. Best of luck. Um, Dennis, we've got Janita waiting to go, but before we get there, you we're kind of talking about how you could listen to all of these programs, your program and the others on the app and, of course, through the podcast as well. And you sort of mentioned from that that, like, um, you would even love to do another degree. What would you be studying if you went back and did something else? Well, there is a course from a, a university in, in clinical studies. It's mm. a post-grad course. I would do it mainly for interest and to formalise 
uh, a lot of my clinical experience, put it that way. Oh, there we go. So and to take the mickey out of some of the faculty material that would be <laughs> delivered to me. <laughs> In other words, a, a, a big old full stop at the end. Yeah, the well, right. problem is my wife would be reluctant to do a lot of the paperwork because she did it for my first degree when, when you right. typed up essays for me. Okay, so she would actually be putting everything online for yeah, you. Doing. That would be unfair to this dear lady who's been with me for nearly 60 years. Yeah, well, there'll be the full stop on that, I think, if you yeah. started. You're doing another one. She doesn't want to. G'day, Janita at Morissette. Um, tiredness is your question today. That's correct. I'm on Ozempic plus metformin for diabetes 2. Yes, I know them well. And uh, also Crestor, but I only take yes. uh, 0.25 of Crestor daily. Yes. And unfortunately... They just, when I take them, they just wipe me out. Okay. From a tiredness point of view, um, I can't take things like ginkgo and all of those type of things mm -hmm. because I have dystonia. Okay. Do so have, have you dis have you discussed this with with your doctor? I have, and they just said, "Oh, you know, it's just." <laughs> okay. Look, th I have very good. I have very very good. Um, Medical professional. Of course you would. Involved. Of course but, you would. And and you know, uh, and you know that I have great respect for our GPs. The uh, over the most overworked members of our uh, of our healthcare are our GPs. But what I would suggest you do is talk to your GP about using the herb Chinese or Panax ginseng, also known as Korean ginseng. Now it is okay. it is a substance that's particularly relevant to elderly people's requirements. There is no mm -hmm. secret. I take it myself. It's spoken very confidently about by the great German physician, Dr. Rudolf Weiss. I'm not aware of it having any potential to clash with what you're taking. It's a low-dose mm -hmm. supplement and very inexpensive. It might mm -hmm. indeed, it might indeed address this tiredness or fatigue factor. Think about it, mention it to your, to your GP. Okay, so that's Chinese ginseng. Yeah. Technically known as Panax, P-A-N-A-X, Panax ginseng. All right, nice easy one for you, Pantax, uh, Panax. Panax, you're getting there. You're getting there. Well, you know, we're running out of time, Dennis, so that's what it was. Mate, and uh, again, a big welcome back for 2024. Thank you, Mark. First one run and done. It's always good to do it with you, Mark, even though I take the mickey out of you at times. Well, and uh, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> Vice on a I'm on a 20 20 week holiday after this, Dennis. Oh, so really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well oh, done. All right, mate. So thanks for uh, part of part of our listeners. Thanks for not retiring. That's the that's the, the key, right? Thank you, Mark. For now. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.